Hello, and welcome to the Philosophical Angle podcast with your host, author Chris Angle. Hi, this is the Philosophical Angle program, and I'm your host, Chris Angle. I'm the author of four books on philosophy, one of which is The Philosophical Equations of Economics. Another one is the Defining Ethics, Good and Evil. They're free for viewing online at www.philosophypublishing.com. Along with me is Rick Samuelson, a venture capitalist out on the West Coast. Rick graduated from Yale and from Wharton, and he's a, a co-host and, and colleague. Rick, good to see you. And you. The purpose of the philosophical angle is to examine the nature of concepts being used in current media. And this week, we're going to discuss President Trump's speech at the United Nations. Uh, so it was uh, he made a couple of remarkable statements uh, that exemplified um, uh, his philosophy and uh, his 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 nature. And primarily, he said that as president of the United States, his first responsibility is to the interests of the people of the United States. And he also said that all other of the representatives, for all of them at the UN, that their first duty is to the interest of their people in their countries. And he got an ovation for this, and uh, rightly so. Everybody agreed with it. But from his primary statement about uh, about the interests of the United States and being true to the interests, uh, those interests, he made a, a secondary statement about the righteous fighting evil. He was, of course, referring to Islamic terrorism. And he said that, and I'm going to quote, he, he said that if the righteous many do not confront the wicked few, then evil will triumph. Well, this statement is, is remarkable in that it states that or implies that the United States is on the side of the righteous. Well, there are many in the world that would not agree with that statement that United States is on the side of the righteous. There are many that would say that United States is unrighteous. And uh, yeah, hey, look at look, look what's going on in the the NFL. All those players protesting. They're 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 de literally declaring that United States is is not a righteous country. Everybody kneeling and and uh, and declaring United States is filled with bigotry and white. Uh, white supremacy, and uh, and that, that's the basic knee, uh, meaning of taking a knee at the uh, at the national anthem. Uh, it basically states that the United States is not it's not a, is not good and not righteous. And there are many that uh, others that uh, that within the United States that believe uh, that United States is not a good country. Uh, it is controlled by bad people that exploit poor people throughout the world unnecessarily. There are many adversaries of the United States throughout the world and that would say that their standpoint is, is righteous and the United States is not righteous. Okay, so how do we know who is righteous in the world? Those outside the United States that perpetrate Islamic terrorism, uh, they would say that they are righteous uh, and that the United States is unrighteous. Uh, they would uh, and they would back this up by pointing to the Quran and saying that uh, they are following the Quran and as such they are righteous and and they would they would point to a couple of uh, passages and uh, and uh, I'm going to do that right now 
Let's, t- let's take a couple of passages from the Quran that uh, exemplify uh, this. Uh, from the Quran, uh, verse 2, uh, chapter 2, Surah 2, chapter, uh, verse 244. Then fight in the, in the cause of Allah and know that Allah heareth and knoweth all things. And from the Quran, uh, Surah 2, verse 216, fighting is prescribed for you and ye dislike it. So you're supposed to go out and fight. Oh, here's, how about uh, Quran 2? This is a very famous verse. Uh, Surah 2, verse 191. And slay them wherever ye find them, and drive them out of the places whence they drove you out. How about Quran uh, Surah 3, verse 56. As to those who reject faith, I will punish them with terrible agony in this world and in the hereafter, nor will they have anyone to help. And just a little later in the same surah, verse 151, soon shall we cast terror into the hearts of the unbelievers, for that they joined companions with Allah, for which he had sent no authority. That's They're speaking about the unbelievers, which are Christians and everybody who is not of, uh, of Islam. So who is righteous? I mean, they have their scripture, we have our scripture, and, and you know, well, um, uh, the Romans uh, in uh, uh, in the Bible, uh, Romans chapter uh, 3, uh, verse 10 puts it, uh, as it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. Is there one more righteous than another? Well, even in the in the Bible, in uh, Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So uh, it's, hard, it's hard to tell who's who's righteous. I mean, the Bible clearly says we're not. Um, and uh, so, well, uh, first to to really start understanding this problem of righteousness, uh, let's go to the Merriam-Webster dictionary and see what they have to say. And uh, I'm going to read from that. The first one, uh, first definition, it says, uh, acting in accordance with divine or moral law. And in the second one, it says, morally right or justifiable, a righteous decision. So we've learned from uh, Webster that righteous uh, refers to morality and to law. And uh, so the philosophical angle it will, uh, will add that righteousness is the adherence to any moralistic contract or agreement. And uh, we say this because all rights are housed inside an agreement or a covenant or like a biblical covenant or a, or a contract with a with somebody else that you deal with. And when it when it comes to righteousness, it's it, it is contracts that are that are related to morals. And so righteousness is the adherence to moralistic contracts that are in place to describe moralistic behavior, uh, such as uh, we have in the Bible and uh, like in the New Testament. The New Testament says that we should believe in the, basically, I, I, I'm going to say, um, it's going to say that, uh, uh, basically, that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will have salvation. Uh, but there's, a, there, there's more to it. You should become a, a Christian and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you, you also believe and will adhere to the tenets of, which Jesus describes and gives to his followers. You follow that which is asked of you by the Lord, which is your obligation, 
and you shall have everlasting life, which is your right, and uh, your adherence to your obligations within the contract, uh, you will receive the rights of the contracts that will allow you to be righteous. Of course, no one behaves perfectly, and 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 so none are, are righteous perfectly, but we, we try. In Islam, um, as we quoted previously from the Quran, there's also a contract in place, and if you adhere to it, you become righteous. It, it, that contract says that you should believe that there is the one and only God with all your heart, and that Muhammad is his messenger. And, and for that, you shall have everlasting life. Uh, and, and so they're very, the, the two contracts are very similar. Uh, the Jews also have a covenant that is similar. So I, I think that this uh, doesn't get us too far because all have their scriptures, and within each is their, uh, their contract within which is, uh, are their rights. And if uh, you then add uh, that the, uh, the pilgrim will be righteous to the extent that a, that a human can be righteous, uh, he'll, he'll just do the best he can. So where does, it get, where, where does this get us? Where, where do we go from here? Uh, we're obviously uh, we're obviously trying to be righteous, but we're all flawed. Um, uh, so we have to we have to go to ethics to uh, 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 to understand this a little bit further uh, the, and the type of ethics. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring up a little diagram here. Uh, maybe uh, we can. Uh, We can help us along. Um, ethics is a, uh, there's a, a one type of ethics and there's a, a faux, which I'm going to call a faux type of ethics. The first type is uh, the real ethics is that, is that, is the ethics is that which is the appropriate dispensation of respect. And, and we need respect uh, in order to cooperate. And the biblical scriptures uh, emphasize uh, respect. It's filled with it. And we cooperate in order to produce, and we produce that which we perceive is good for us. And that goodness is that which brings us up away from misery and promotes our lives. And so the respect that is the cornerstone of all this is the cornerstone of all that is ethics. If you are respectful to those with whom you cooperate, you are ethical. Now, the other type I'm going to call faux ethics is the ends justifies the means. There's no need for cooperation. The result is, is, is all-consuming, and the all-important priority of, of, of those that employ the end ju that justifies the means type of ethics or faux ethics. So if there is no need, but if there's no need for cooperation, then this faux ethic is is really not of ethics because it is totally selfish. Therefore, uh, with with when an individual's only priority is an ends, one can skip cooperation, and of course, cooperation is, is replaced with with coercion. And so now you got you've got so now we're going to take that ethics and we're going to uh, compare it to Christianity and Islam. And for those inside the Judeo-Christian culture, 
and of all cultures except Islam, um, we we feel we, we can feel the the ethical behavior is is necessary, as uh, as even the poorest person who who produces nothing, who, who cooperates with nobody, is still a member of the human society. Uh, if you walk down the street and see somebody a, a beggar, you often give him money because he is worthy of some respect, being human, and thus he also has societal rights uh, because he's of the, of the human. Uh, 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 because he's human, and and so um, in Christianity, um, it it has several places in the Bible that um, describe this. And even though you don't have to be rich to be to be ethical, you can be as poor. And 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 in the Bible, probably the main focus there is that famous saying do unto others as as others would do unto you and uh and and so and so really uh so really it's hard to say if there's one side better than innately better than the other because islam also has uh an ethic and and is and and cooperative portions to the quran that we could quote uh that is similar to this, and and so ethics is of of Islam also, as long as you are of Islam. So, for those that are not of Islam, however, uh, the uh, the uh, the force and coercion can be used, and the Quran explicitly encourages it. Uh, against those who are not of Islam, and we quoted a couple of passages here uh, just a little bit ago that exemplify that very thing. So, um, but before the res- uh, the respective scriptures of the Quran and the Bible, um, before God and and before Allah, um, one tries to follow that scripture and. Therefore, one feels righteous. One side is to be ethical to all, and one side is to be ethical to only to those within their their clique, within their organization, within within Islam, and to all others. Any persuasion may be used. So you've got both both texts. So still, is there one that is better or innately better than the other? And I can say positively and emphatically, yes, we can make a determination. And we can know this uh, through not only the ethics, but we have to add another decisional standard, uh, which is aesthetics. And so now you're going to probably ask, well, by the way, here, what is aesthetics? So we're going to, uh, we'll, uh, We'll discuss aesthetics. So aesthetics, briefly, is the study of beauty, and it is that which is the extreme of that which promotes life. An example uh, is to is to look at my uh, is to look at a biological niche and search for for an example of a, of individual life entity that is an extreme or or greatest in exemplifying the promotion of of life within that niche. For example, let's take a, a, a an Arabian stallion. It's a 
it's an extreme of a, of the genre horse and but it but if we take that example we can see how great it is um, performing or coming to the to the form of, of a horse this is almost sounding like Plato and Plato is uh, does have something to say about this um, a waterfall a waterfall is beautiful because it exemplifies an environment that is filled with water that supports all of life um, another example would be a, a clear starry night uh, if we look up to it and we see the, the all the stars and, and we wonder at its beauty and we, we wonder that because it supports the universe it is part of the universe that supports our life and and so the ascetic sense allows us to understand what promotes our survival and if we apply this to Christianity or to Buddhism we get a we get a God, we get, well, we, we get a good God and we get uh, a, a mesh with our society that, uh, that promotes our lives. Uh, the, old, the, 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 the New Testament is, is a real good example of that. With Islam, uh, its precepts are, uh, exemplify aesthetics if you are within the, the society of Islam. And but outside, uh, outside of Islam, uh, it is unesthetical. So, and if you're outside of Islam, uh, the Quran is unesthetical, and and so uh, the uh, it is unrighteous uh, to to those that are outside of that aesthetic, and so. I think Trump made a great statement in that you have to fight those of producing the terrorism. And he can be right to know that <clears throat> the United States is righteous and those that support terror uh, and Islamic terror are unrighteous. Rick, what do you think of uh, President Trump's speech? Well, <clears throat> I thought it was one of the better speeches of any U.S. president at the U.N., uh, certainly the best one I've read or heard in many, many years. Um, one of the things I liked about it is he actually called out the bad actors by name, <laughs> obviously North Korea, obviously Iran, but others as well, uh, Cuba. And uh, made a very clear point that there are members of the UN who have explicitly or implicitly supported these regimes and that the UN itself needs to clean up its act. Another point he made that I think bears repeating, perhaps constant repeating, is the US does provide about 22% of the whole UN budget. So one country out of many um, shares uh, actually takes the lion's share of supporting this organization uh, when, in fact, logically, that burden should, should be more evenly spread, but is not. Um, another point he made, which turns kind of the moral posturing you find with progressives on its head, is that he said in respect of uh, refugees, the U.S. can assist 10 times as many refugees within their country 
as those that are brought to the United States, which makes perfect sense, right? Obviously, it's going to be more costly to bring a refugee all the way over the United States, which is a high-cost location, than to bring aid to a poorer location, uh, set up a defensive perimeter, and distribute that aid. You can, you can help many, many more people. Um, finally, he made no uh, bones about the intent of the United States you know, to wipe out uh, Islamic terrorist activity wherever it's found. It must be confronted, and it must be con confronted uh, aggressively. And he reminded us of how much good the United States has done over its long history. Um, perhaps more good than any other nation in the entire UN, or perhaps more good than several of them together. Um, he cited specific examples. The Marshall Plan is one, but there are many. Uh, and so in, in pointing these things out and then at the same time uh, hewing to this fundamental notion you earlier mentioned that it's the first duty of a government to respect and protect the welfare of its own people. He brought us back, I think he brought the UN, he brought the, the US consumers of this speech back to a very commonsensical notion that if you can't serve the interests of your own people first, you aren't actually a legitimate government. Right. Say, um, that point about um, the refugees, I think I heard that uh, very few refugees are g being given asylum or homes in the neighboring countries of Syria, such as... Well, yes, but this, this, go, this harkens back to um, whether the United States was going to establish a, a perimeter within Syria or on the border and thereby protect people and provide them with aid instead of the million who ended up going to Europe at huge expense. The expense that Europe is now providing to house these people um, and you know actually pay for them uh, to you know teach them German. They're actually you know hiring thousands of teachers to teach them German. Um, this is, you know, many, many times greater than what would have been spent if the perimeter had been uh, put into effect. Obama obviously failed to do that. Uh, even Hillary Clinton was in favor of that. It's just common sense. Uh, and many, many more people would have been helped. That's just a fact. Will the left like this speech? Oh, they'll despise it. And why would that be? Well, it doesn't fit the narrative. The narrative is that um, if you, uh, the reason we aren't accepting refugees is because we're racist. It has nothing to do with cost, expenditure, effectiveness of programs. They don't care whether programs are effective, actually. What they care about is uh, the optics surrounding, you know, whether one is, uh, appears to be a racist or appears to be a supremacist. Uh, or what have you, and how that can be twisted politically. 
Right. So outcomes you, are irrelevant. So if you don't accept refugees, you're a racist. Yeah. Because they're brown. They're all brown. Some shade of brown. Or a bigot. Yeah. Because they're of a different religion. Right. Okay. Uh, Rick, thanks for your input. And we'll see everybody else uh, next week on the next edition of The Philosophical Angle. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on The Philosophical Angle podcast. Be sure to subscribe and join us for the next installment. 